But uh, no, I, I did have something uh, that I wanted to share with, with everyone today. Um, and uh, I also kind of want to give a little bit of a testimony. So I'll kind of try to put those two things together. Um, how many of you guys use like a sound maker or like a white noise machine when you sleep? We're notorious for that in our family. We've always done it. The, the kids always slept in our room when they were babies, so they got bigger, so they all got used to it. So every kid has their own noisemaker now. Uh, so if you walk through a house early in the morning, you'll just hear different noisemakers in different rooms. Um, so I like the fan, but then I also like, it's called distant thunder, right? So uh, there's this little thundery noise, and Gail's not a big fan of the thunder, so she's over on her side of bed with just the fan. She's got to drown out my thunder. <laughs> anyway, but I, for some reason, that's a very soothing sound to me. I like, you know, some rumbles of thunder. Well, when you have actual rumbles of thunder, it becomes less soothing, and that's the case at our house. So um, our kids don't really like storms a lot. <clears throat> um, the older ones are kind of a little better with it now. The younger ones, not so much. So Hava's not in here, so I can throw her under the bus a little bit. So <laughs> not that bad. Uh, so the other night, we had a pretty good storm. And Gail and I watched the news, as we always do. I always fall asleep during the weather, so I count on her to like let me know if something really bad's going down. But we knew that there was going to be some storms, and it wasn't going to be a huge deal. Um, so I was just out sleeping. And this big loud clap of thunder comes. And that woke me up. Not a big deal. But when I wake up, I'm like, oh, the kids are going to wake up. <laughs> and you almost count to 10, and then, you know, it happens. So um, Hava calls me on her phone from her room to say, can you come in here, please? I'm not okay with this thunder. So I'm walking out of our room. And then Caleb comes bolting down the hall to get in bed with mom. And then, then I'm waiting to hear Penelope start crying. So it's just, it's not a lot of peace um, when it storms at night. Um, and, I, and when Hava called, I knew why she was calling. And I picked up and said, oh, because I was asleep. And uh, she said, can you come in here? And I'm in my mind trying to think of all the reasons to tell her, just, it's fine, just go back to sleep. I know it wasn't going to work, so I got up and went in there. Uh, but the whole idea is this. I'm sure that our kids are upset that we're sleeping when there's a storm outside and there's thunder and lightning because they're terrified, and mom and dad are just asleep. There's two types of people uh, who can sleep during a storm. Um, it's people who either don't care or people who are confident that they're safe. Being asleep is kind of the opposite of being anxious. I tell people that all the time. So if somebody comes to me and I said, hey, I've got this real bad, bad anxiety issue and I really want to treat it with a medicine, I tell them, well, we can do that. But you have to understand, because everybody wants to know about side effects as well, and I like talking about side effects. I say, the opposite of feeling anxious is feeling sleepy. So if we're treating your anxiety, we're probably going to make you sleepy. So some people are like, that's fine. <laughs> other people are like, I can't be sleepy. i got kids and all these other things. Uh, and that's the reality of it, is if I'm sound asleep and somebody else is scared, I either don't care or I know that we don't have to be scared. So I wanted to, to compare two different storm sleepers for us today uh, and talk about the difference between them. So um, we had the, the benefit of a few weeks ago uh, reading out of Jonah, 
with Dr. Steve. And so I wanted to kind of take a cue from him. And so I'm going to be reading uh, first in Jonah uh, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 3. So if you can get there, great. If not, um, this is the English Standard Version. So just trust me, I guess. <laughs> but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down into Joppa and found a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it uh, to go with him to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty temp tempest on the sea. By the way, I'm going to pronounce some stuff wrong, so just hang in there. So that the ship threatened to break up. The mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give us a thought and we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on account who, whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you? that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, this is Pagans, by the way. O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done it as you pleased. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So, crazy story, right? <clears throat> These guys, their job is to sail from one place to another. These aren't people who are... Uh, just t taking a trip every once in a while. They had cargo in their ship. That was their, their, their livelihood. This is something they did all the time. The storm that said, you know, we have the benefit of knowing uh, from the Bible that, that God sent this storm. And it was so severe, something they'd never seen before, that they were taking literally their livelihood and throwing it overboard, which is something I doubt they would frequently do. Um, and they became aware that this is not natural or normal, and we need somebody to intervene for us. Jonah was asleep. So we have skilled sailors that are so scared of the storm that they're throwing things overboard. How are you sleeping? We'll come back to that in a second. Let's turn, uh, if you want to, uh, to Mark chapter 4. We're going to start uh, in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. Jesus is speaking. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in a stern, asleep on the cushion. 
And they woke him and they said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here we have another boat. This is probably 1,500, 2,000 years later in that ballpark. This is much, much later, obviously. Uh, but we have another boat full of skilled sailors. A lot of these uh, guys spent a lot of time on the sea. Some of them were fishermen by trade. So again, they're not, you know, taken aback by your run-of-the-mill storm. But they are so terrified that this ship is going to sink, and it's already starting to fill with water. Jesus is asleep on the boat. So they wake him up and they say, we're going to die. Don't you care? And so Jesus uh, calms the storm. Saying about that this morning, which is, uh, you know, something that I think was pretty, pretty neat. Um, but Jesus rebukes the storm but asks them, why don't you have faith? What happened here is we have two different people who are sleeping on a boat. And one of them is God and one of them isn't. <laughs> so a lot of times when we're looking at things like this, we're looking at the storms like my kids are dealing with, you know, the lightning and the thunder. We're dealing with something that's terrifying. And the question is, um, what's going on in our boat? When it seems like someone's asleep, they know something we don't. And so uh, are we dealing with God or are we dealing with ourselves? I think in both these stories, I like to try to put myself there. Uh, I've never been a big boater. Uh, my brother-in-law uh, has some boating experience and been out with him. Fortunately, we've never really been out when it's bad. The only time I was out on the water when it was real bad was... Uh, when I was a kid, we were in Lake of the Ozarks when we were out with a family that had a boat. And we went out a ways, and then it started to rain and storm. And so he was booking it back to the dock, and the rain was stinging us in the face. And I thought, I don't like boating. <laughs> this isn't so cool. So I try to put myself in that spot. I'm thinking, I really probably would not be enjoying this. And I don't identify as Jonah, because I definitely wouldn't be able to sleep through it. I think I identify probably as uh, the sailors on the boat. Um, and I think when I thought about that, this took on a whole new light. Um, <clears throat> oftentimes, when you're dealing with a storm in life, you feel like this is not normal. This isn't natural. There's, a, there's an old saying that says, um, stormy seas make skilled sailors, or I think the reverse of that is calm seas never made a skilled sailor, something like that. I don't know the saying for sure, but uh, the idea is this, is we feel like as we've navigated through life, there's problems that we know how to deal with. I know how to deal with, you know, when work is busy, I know how to deal with this, but then there's things in life that happen that we're not used to dealing with. And if you've ever noticed the, at least the default mode I've gone into is, I gotta blame somebody for this. This is somebody's fault. This isn't, I didn't do this. This is, somebody else is at fault for what's going on here. And you see the sailors do the same thing. They're in this supernatural storm. The ship is gonna sink. 
and their first thought isn't, well, I guess we've had a good run. You know, you sail enough, something bad happens at some point. No, their thought is somebody has to fix this. This is somebody's fault, especially in Jonah's case. How often do we do that? Um, if we're dealing with something difficult in our life and we really look at ourselves and say, I didn't do anything. This is somebody else's fault. Um, are we in a position where we're trying to throw someone overboard? Or are we in a position that we're going to speak to the person who can calm the seas? I, I ask that because oftentimes I, I find myself wanting to throw someone overboard. This is... This is not okay. I have to change everything I'm doing. i got to get this person out of my life. I have to do something completely different. Or, you know, are we in a position where we don't? I know that God doesn't care about me. He's in my life. I go to church every Sunday. I tithe most of the time. Um, you know, I listen to 99.1 on the radio. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be foreclosed on. I'm going to lose my house. Are we about to throw God overboard thinking that's going to calm our storm? Um, I was thinking about the things that were similar in this story. Both Jonah and Jesus slept, but for very different reasons. Jesus slept because he was traveling towards the purposes of God. Jonah slept because he was escaping the purposes of God, and he didn't care anymore. I really think Jonah thought, you know, the ship goes down, the ship goes down. I mean, I, we don't know that, but why else would you sleep in the middle of a storm? I noticed that both had skilled sailors that panicked. I know that they both went to the sleeper to plead for deliverance. They both were experiencing storms that didn't make sense. Um, and in both situations, in very different ways, peace was brought by the sleeper. Both of these storms calmed down, you notice. None of these sailors perish. Um, oddly enough, the pagan sailors are the ones that are offering sacrifice to the Lord and show true thankfulness after, after the storm calms down. Um, I think it's interesting that the disciples, by the way, they're really amazing people. I, I think sometimes we give, the, give Israel a hard time for screwing up a lot and we give the disciples a hard time for screwing up a lot. But they're both really amazing groups of people. Um, but they kind of screwed up here because Jesus calms a storm and they get scared then. And they say, who's this man that does this? Who could do this? Like, you're with Jesus. You woke him up to say, please help us. And he does it. They're like, whoa, how did he do that? You know, and, and instead of giving thanks to the Lord, they became fearful. Now, I, I haven't done all the Greek research. So I'm probably... You know, the word maybe means fearful in a, in a very positive, God-fearing type of way. But in just normal parlance reading this, you're reading like, why were you afraid when he did exactly what you asked him to do? Jesus rebuked the storm. He didn't really rebuke them. He said, why don't you have faith? He was, I think he was really spraying up say, you know, this is not a big deal. So when we're in a storm, I think our experience, expectations in our experiences can be due to two different things. One is uh, we expect in a storm that selfish motivation is going to come out in hardship. 
but what we find is that perfect love acts in hardship. You would think self-preservation is a big deal. If we're in a storm, I think God's going to probably try to save face and get out of it. But really, he acts in perfect love. Uh, what we expect is we want the problem to end how we want it to end. But what we experience is that the problems serve to display God's purposes, not ours. So they don't always end the way we want them to end, but they end the way that they're supposed to. Um, we expect things to go according to plan. But his plan prevails despite our struggle against it. Uh, we want our experience to guide what we should do. These sailors have lots of experience dealing with storms. You've got to steer into the waves. You've got you know, all these different things. But in reality, our experience will be subverted, but in a positive way, by his amazing grace. Uh, and we expect in the middle of a storm that our anxiety, that our worries will be shared. But in reality, our anxieties are going to be extinguished by perfect love. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been in perfected love. So when we're in these situations, we have these expectations of how they're going to go, uh, but God's plan is different than our plan, and our experience is almost exactly opposite of what we expect. So I want to take a minute and talk about... Uh, a very mild storm, but one that was uh, a little upsetting for us. So I'm going to just, some of you guys know this story, but uh, just bear with me. So um, we went on a trip to Texas. And uh, we drove because we have a huge family and flying is, just forget it. I'm just take out a second mortgage to fly somewhere with seven people in your family. So we loaded up the station wagon. Well, the van, but I like to think of it as a station wagon because I had so many trips as a kid. I like being Clark Griswold. So we load up the van. I mean, it is folded to gills, beyond folded to gills. And you're trying to smush everyone in these seats, you know. So we have the car top carrier on top of the car with junk in it. And it was not Aunt Edna. A couple of people mentioned that. So there was no, uh, <laughs> it was just luggage. Um, and we're driving, we're driving, we're driving. Well, the timing of this trip was a little weird for us as a family. Um, we have one daughter getting, away to go to, getting ready to go away to college. And um, so we really just were, well, we want to do this trip, but it'd be kind of nice to spend some more time with her one-on-one. But we're going on a trip. This trip also coincided with uh, me leaving my job and uh, not really knowing what income is going to look like. So we're like, hey, I have no idea where our next check's going to come from, but let's just spend a bunch of money on a big, long trip. <laughs> so that was not, not probably my wife's favorite thing. Uh, it wasn't mine either, but uh, <clears throat> so we go. Uh, we spent a lot of good time with family, a lot of close time with family in very s small quarters. And then we are driving back in this van. And... I don't know if you know this, but when you're traveling with seven people, everybody has to go to the bathroom exactly opposite times of one another. So you stop, like, who's got to go potty? Let's just go potty now. Let's just, no, no, I don't got to go. Just go. Just try to go. I don't need to go. Okay. And as soon as you get on the highway, you pass a couple semi-trucks, like, whew, okay, I'm in a groove. Someone's like, I got to go potty. And half the time it's my wife, so I can't even tell her no. <laughs> 
So we're like leapfrogging our way through Texas, and we had decided to go home a different way than we came uh, because it was very, very important we stopped by Magnolia and Waco. I don't know if you know this. It's practically a, a holy site. I don't get it. But we went, and it was a lot of fun. So we're going home a different way, and this way has long stretches through Oklahoma of just a whole bunch of nothing. So we're driving, and everybody's starting to get hungry. And so um, I, uh, I think actually you were driving. Yeah, that was nice. And so I'm scrolling through my phone trying to find where we're going to eat. And I, we have a lot of picky eaters. We've got like a gluten-free person and um, skinny people and me. <laughs> so it's hard to please everybody. And we're just, it's just like Arby's and you know, Taco Bell, and it's probably not going to work out well for everybody. So I'm looking, I'm looking, and there is nothing. And I find this little, on Yelp, this Italian restaurant in McAllister, Oklahoma. I'm like, I think someone can get a salad there. We can get pizza for the other kids. I'm just going to eat whatever. Um, and so I'm like, we're going here. We're going to stop at this restaurant. That's what we're doing. So we stop. And we get out of the restaurant, and Penelope is just running around the restaurant because she's She's got to be out of the car. So I'm thought, that's fine. Let's everybody get some energy out, and we'll finish dinner. We'll load up, and we'll go. Well, like an hour and a half later, we're still sitting there, and Penelope's still running around the restaurant. So I, I called it. <clears throat> I said, we're, we're staying the night. I, we can't get back in the car. At this point, it's going to be 4 o'clock in the morning before we get back, and nobody's going to handle that well. Let's just stay. So we did that. We stayed in a hotel. We woke up the next morning. You may know this. Uh, we walked out, and a car top carry had just been ripped open with a knife. Somebody just cut it open and pulled everything that they thought of that was valuable out of it. And um, that was not a great feeling. <laughs> and so we get in there, and we realize what's missing. And what's missing is, you know, some luggage and clothes and stuff. But one of the other things that was missing was Hava's uh, leg braces. And these are, uh, you know... It's a medical device. It's irreplaceable kind of a thing. And that moment was like, this is stupid. We shouldn't have come here. We shouldn't have stopped in Oklahoma. We shouldn't have stayed at this hotel. I felt kind of weird when we pulled up. We should have pulled everything. I, you know, you're doing the whole thing. What we were really doing is saying, God, why did you do this? If we would have done anything different, I was thinking if we didn't go to Magnolia, <laughs> we would not have <laughs> I, I didn't have the guts to say that until I was up here, and she couldn't yell at me. <laughs> I was questioning, Jesus, why are you asleep in our boat right now? This is a problem I can't fix. This is dumb. What I'm dealing with right now is terrible. I don't want to do this. So um, we called the police to make a record. And, and I'm just like, whatever. You know, like, we're not going to get this back. The... the you know, they're going to make a report, and the report's going to say, yeah, they left their stuff in a canvas car top carrier that anybody could cut open. That was kind of dumb. So that was all we were really expecting from it. Um, kids were beside themselves. It was just a bad scene. So now the packed to the gills van is now more packed to the gills because the two or three things left in a car top carrier now have to be smushed in the car. So now we're really like this. And we're on our way home. And it was, the first two hours was super tense in the car. Everybody was still upset. 
you know, like, get your arm off of me. Like, there's nowhere for arms to be, you know. And uh, I was trying to, I don't know, try to be steering this boat, so to speak. And like, this is fine. We're fine. Uh, Gail was not okay. I was really not okay, but I was trying to be okay. And so she was like scrolling through and trying to find, you know, if there was video footage of the, so the whole thing was not great. So we're driving along. And I get a phone call from an Oklahoma number. So I pick it up, and it's the officer that had taken the report. And he said, hey, I had taken a picture of your stuff, and I shared this on our Facebook page because sometimes that gets spread around and people find it. And he said, well, it's kind of blowing up a little bit. And the news just called me and asked if you guys would want to do an interview. So I'm, I'm and they said, well, where are you? And I said, I, we're in, I don't know, we're on the road. And he said, well, the, the news team might meet you somewhere. And I'm like, I am not meeting a news team. I am getting home. <laughs> so I said, well, good luck with that. And I kind of hung up the phone, and we're driving. And Gail's like, what was that? And I was like, well, they wanted to do a news thing. And I'm like, just forget it. So we're driving, and then they called us right after we got into Missouri. And they said, well, where are you? I said, we're in Missouri, sucker. Sorry, you missed out. I'm not <laughs> turning around for this. I'm getting home. And I said, well, what if we did it like over like FaceTime or something? So that, whatever. I mean, if, it, if you think it'll get the word out. Ultimately, what I was really thinking in my mind was, this will make us feel like we at least did something. You know, I felt, we all felt like our agency was taken away from us. Um, this story is much longer than I thought it was. So we do the news story. Um, and that was interesting. Uh, and we're, you know, sharing things on Facebook and looking at it. And sure enough, this was being shared over and over and over and lots of views and everything else. So I go to work the next day. And by the way, this has already been a blessing. So Hava had no idea that people were looking for her braces. And people were talking about sending this message saying, we're praying for you guys. And we're praying for the person who stole these, that they would do the right things. It's, just this overwhelming, and the peace that started to kind of well up in our hearts was not natural peace, because we still lost all of our stuff, by the way. Um, so, but we just started to feel better and better, and, and more and more understanding that this, the storm kind of seemed to be calming down. So I was at work the next day, and uh, my phone rang, and it was an Oklahoma number, and I picked it up, and it was an officer, and he said, uh, what color are those braces? So, well, they're blue and kind of white. And he's like, yep, we got them. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we got them. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, and he's like, yeah, I think we do. I said, well, call my wife, send her a picture. And sure enough, there were the braces. Unbelievable. So Gail got to um, pick Hava up from school and show her the picture of the braces. And I said, they're sending it. And they, they sent them overnight to us. And uh, so she caught Hava's reaction to that, which was just just absolutely um, the Holy Spirit just pouring out over her uh, all the peace. Because she was a hot mess when they got taken. I mean, she was shivering chin and crying and not okay. Um, and, you know, so amazing. And that got shared a bunch. I think last time we looked, the Oklahoma News had it on their little page, and it had uh, 99,000 views or something like that. So the story is this, though. What if we had driven straight through? What if we'd gone through Arkansas instead of Oklahoma? What if nobody had stolen our stuff? The only story would have been, yeah, we were in Texas and we came home. 
um, our view was, this is terrible, this thing that's happened to us. This is wrong. God, why did you let this happen? Why didn't you fix it the way we wanted it fixed? But what really happened was this. The purposes of God were achieved. You, the kingdom of God looks like what just happened. The kingdom of God looks like people saying, I'm going to pray for someone else. Not because I want everybody to know I'm praying and it looks really good on my Facebook page. Or It was people who were moved to say, this is not what the kingdom looks like, and I want to see the kingdom come. Now, Hava's braces, we meant to have her wear them today, and then I was running late and didn't get everything together. But if you've ever seen them, they're complicated things. Like, they go all the way up here. They have a knee joint that has to be locked just so. They have little inserts. There's more Velcro than you've ever seen. Half the time when we go to put them on her, we're missing something, some piece. So we're tearing a room apart to find the piece that's missing. I said that to say this. The fact that these were thrown into a duffel bag and chucked onto uh, the lawn of a police officer with the car not even stopping so that they didn't get caught to return these. The fact that nothing was missing. In fact, they came back just as we left them, only dirty. <laughs> we got them cleaned up. But nothing was missing from these. It's a miracle. It's a miracle that someone who would cut open a car top carrier and steal it would be moved to do the right thing. That miracle happened, and literally thousands of people were able to be brought into the purposes of God because we went to Magnolia, I guess. I guess. <laughs> so the question, the question I pose to you is this. What storm are you going through? And what is your experience? Because if your experience is, this is not how life is supposed to go. This isn't the plan. I wasn't supposed to lose my job. I wasn't supposed to uh, be overdrawn in my bank account. I wasn't supposed to have a loved one who is running away from the Lord. I wasn't supposed to, I wasn't supposed to, I wasn't supposed to. And you are at the point where you're saying, wake up, God. Do not think God's a man. Jesus was not Jonah. He was not picked up and thrown into the sea to appease the wrath of God. Jesus stood up caused things to be calm because that was the purposes of God. He was asleep not because he didn't care. He was asleep as an object lesson. Okay? Jesus did sleep, by the way. That was good because he was man. But God doesn't sleep. When it seems like he's asleep, that's an object lesson to us, which is, are you going to trust me or are you going to trust your circumstances? So what I'd like to encourage everyone is don't Try to throw Jesus out of your boat. When things aren't going well, it's not God's fault, but it might be his purposes. All right. That's all I have. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time.